This episode is brought to you by our friends at Mongoose. Mongoose is dedicated to being a bridge for higher education between schools and constituents. With a focus on conversational marketing software, Mongoose takes great pride in offering both the knowledge and the tools to help higher ed engage, motivate, and grow individuals and communities. They've got two exceptional products that help folks do just that. The first one is Cadence, higher education's premier texting platform. Mongoose Cadence allows staff to efficiently reach students in their preferred daily communication channel which is texting. Whether sending a message to a single student or a large list, the platform facilitates timely, meaningful conversations that inspire action. Harmony. Mongoose Harmony is an intelligent chatbot that effortlessly guides visitors to the right content, captures lead information, and simultaneously updates any systems integrated with that chatbot, and routes visitors to the appropriate staff when a human is needed. Students and alumni visit a school's website because they want quick information. Conversational marketing through chatbots allows you to efficiently answer questions and keep constituents engaged at the peak of their interest in your institution. To learn more about Mongoose offerings, head on over to mongooseresearch.com forward slash enrollify. And fun fact, you'll be able to engage with a chatbot on that page. Again, it's mongooseresearch.com forward slash enrollify. Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to make you all aware of a brand new premium content offering that we've launched with our pals over at Unibuddy. This offering is an e-course on how to run unforgettable digital recruitment events, and it's jam-packed with ideas and insight and frameworks for how to think about your virtual recruitment strategy, and specifically how to design, how to promote, how to deliver, and follow up from your recruitment events. This course is jam-packed with two plus hours of information and content all designed to help you become a better event marketer. So if you need to up your virtual recruitment strategy, if you're you know heading into the fall here and wondering what works and what doesn't work when it comes to promoting your events, head on over to enrollify.org, navigate over to the Learn With Us tab and click on eCourses and you'll be taken right to this special eCourse. Thanks to, again to our friends over at Unibuddy for making this eCourse possible. Jam-packed again with lots of information, super, super helpful stuff, guys. So check it out and let us know what you think. All right, enjoy this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Zach here, and today I am chatting with my new friend, Paige Steffi, who is a customer success manager at Unibuddy. Welcome to the show, Paige. Hey, Zach. Super excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. So, Paige, you are at a WeWork in New York, and I am in my yes. closet <laughs> here in D.C. Um, it's been a little bit of a cluster of a morning for both <laughs> of us, but uh, yes. we did it. We made it. We are recording, and we're going to talk all it's about happening. events. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> despite despite the, uh, the circumstances that would have otherwise uh, preferred that this not happen, we have overcome them, and we're yeah. going to chat. It's going to be great. Just like you have to overcome um, your ideas about in-person events to do virtual events. Exactly. You know? like, exactly. We're rolling. It's going to be great. <laughs> I like it. I like it. 
Well, wonderful, Paige. Uh, to kick us off, one of the one of my favorite questions to ask folks is to talk about something that they've recently changed their mind about. This could be like, I used to hate peanut butter and jelly as a kid, but now I get it. You know, I I love mm-hmm. PB and J. It could be a little bit more <laughs> professional. Like I used to feel this way about recruitment events, and you know that were virtual, and now I feel very differently about them. So, what's something that you've recently changed your mind about? Well, I was definitely prompted by your example there of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which just as a fun side fact for you, is not a thing in the UK. And Unibuddy is a UK-based company. So like sometimes we'll talk about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, like, oh, that's the classic thing you have for lunch. And they'll look at us just like, what the heck are you talking about? Which I always <laughs> think is very funny. Um, but I think the thing that I have recently changed my mind about is hot sauce because I never used to be like a person who would want to put hot sauce on eggs, like, you know, any, any type of situation. But recently I've been really getting into different types of hot sauce. I put it on my macaroni and cheese now all the time, which is like such a prime move. And I'm just, there's so many out there too. That's the other thing, right? Like there's a whole hot sauce community that I had no idea existed um, <laughs> up until like very recently. So yeah, I'm really getting into hot sauce. What, uh, what's your current sort of like favorite sauce? Like, do you like, are you like a Cholula person? Like, have you had Cholula So yet? this is the thing. I tried the jalapeno poblano Cholula sauce okay. and it's great. Like specifically in Annie's mac and cheese, the white cheddar version oh. of it, the shells, because obviously that's like the, the, the elevated, the, the, the like yeah, adult exactly. mac and cheese. <laughs> like. <laughs> and then you put hot sauce in it and you're like, wow, I am a gourmet human. Everything is beautiful. Like it's, I highly recommend. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, I am getting hungry now and it's getting close to lunchtime. So, uh, might have to make a quick I know, uh, right? trip I really... to the grocery store. <laughs> Exactly. I highly endorse it. It's worth a shot. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. So Paige, for, I, I imagine most of our listeners are aware of Unibuddy, but for those who mm-hmm. just aren't aware of Unibuddy or they, you know, might be aware of some aspects of Unibuddy, but not sort of like your all's full suite of, of offerings. Can you just give us like the very quick, like elevator pitch for what Unibuddy is and then also, you know, what you do at Unibuddy? Yeah, totally. So Unibuddy is primarily a peer-to-peer communication platform that allows universities to connect their student ambassadors with prospective students. Um, And so the main idea of Unibuddy is really helping to facilitate life's big decisions and specifically the decision around whether or not you'd like to pursue higher education. So that's kind of the, the quick overview of Unibuddy. We have a variety of kind of Software is underneath the peer-to-peer platform. We have a virtual event software, a community groups um, platform, and our peer-to-peer communication platform. Wonderful. And (laughs) And then I'm a customer success manager too. I don't want to forget that second part of the question, but basically my job is to help facilitate universities to use the product effectively. That's what I do. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. No, and you know, for what it's worth, I remember, and I've said this a couple times now, so this is not me, you know, kissing up to, to Unibuddy, but, <laughs> um, last year I must've done, I don't know, maybe six or seven different like virtual conferences, virtual events. And of all the platforms I used, 
uh, Unibuddy's events platform was by far my favorite. It was just the most, uh, you know, gooey, user-friendly as a presenter too. Like I, I think a lot of times tools yeah. are built first and foremost for like the end user, the viewer, which again, makes a ton of sense. Totally. But I found like right. being able to, I, I found whoever built um, the Unibody events platform clearly thought a lot about sort of like what what is the presentation going to feel like for the person mm-hmm. actually giving the event because one of the hardest things about virtual events as a presenter is like you don't get the same sort of like energy and yeah. feel as you do in like a live totally. event so you're talking to a screen you can't see who's on the other side of the screen you really just Zach, see you could face. just be in your closet exactly That's exactly it, right? like- <laughs> And like, you don't know, like, what are people like nodding? Are they like getting it or are they like, you know, totally checked out and checking email? Like, what is the status? Like, what is the the spirit of the room? Right. And you know, Mm -hmm. platform with like the dynamic chat on the side and just how Mm -hmm. the presenter gets like embedded into sort of like the greater sphere of, of the, the tool is just very well architected. Totally. Well, and I think on the day that this is going to go live is our global conference. And there have been some exciting updates to um, the Unibuddy events platform. So I would be very curious to hear your thoughts after the fact, too, because I think our product team has done such a great job of really like taking what you've said about the platform and like taking it even to the next level to make it even easier for everybody to use. So super excited about that. Yeah, no. And I'm, uh, I'm excited about that too. I'm speaking on a panel, so it'll be, I fun, figured, to, I figured you it'll were. be fun to test it out and compare it to last year. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm curious, Paige. So over the last 12 months, right, uh, events of all shapes and sizes, events of all types have, you know, Mm -hmm. transitioned to virtual formats. And I'm curious, just like, what was the best and worst virtual event of of any kind, right? This doesn't need to be higher ed specific that you attended over the last uh, year. And what made the best one the best and, you know, the worst one the worst? Yeah. So I, when I think about one of the best virtual events that I went to is actually one of our partners up in Canada and they did such a great job with their event because they really went like all in. They went to pretty much every department on campus. They tried to get involvement from people all across their university and they really were creative about the way that they engaged with these people too, right? So they had the music department like come on and do a quick like tutorial on how to do like a saxophone solo in a jazz club. And it was like, that's such a unique thing to talk about during a live event. And they also had like there are people come on and talk about the COVID protocols in the music department. And they were showing, I will never forget. They had these like um, almost like shower caps that they put over the end of the trumpets because they like, there's so much spit that just comes out of trumpets. <laughs> they were like, we had to figure out a way to like make that not a thing that we worried about. And so it was just such a dynamic event and it really was thoughtful and creative and spoke to the times too. You know, we weren't like denying the fact that COVID was happening. It was like, this is something we're all dealing with. So let's talk about it. And I think that was really what made it the best. And then conversely, some of the less good um, virtual events that I've been to, I think just try and take their in-person schedule and just force it into a virtual event. And that 
that doesn't really work because what makes an in-person event great is not necessarily going to translate to what makes a virtual event great, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, and I'd be curious for you to sort of unpack that a little bit because, you know, when I, again, when I think about sort of live events and what I love about presenting at live events or even just, you know, attending sort of a, a session at a live event is really sort of the uh, the charisma of, you know, the speaker and how the speaker totally. relates to the room, right? Like, and how, mm-hmm. how they adapt. Because sometimes, like, you're in a room, you're in a session, and you think, like, the title is, like, really dynamic, and then you walk into the session, you sit down, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, oh, either no. a glorified <laughs> sales pitch or yeah. it's just, like, super, like, I was expecting something a little bit more deep tactical, and this is just, like, a shallow presentation, right? But then conversely, totally. sometimes like you walk into a space, a walk into a, a session that isn't, you know, they need sort of like a lesson in copywriting. Like the, the, the title was not <laughs> great. The description was subpar, but I walk in and then it's like incredibly dynamic. And I think like, totally. and you know, maybe this is just my like presenter like bias here, but I think like a good presenter can take a boring topic and make it interesting. Um, and no, no, I, I think, agree. I think that like the challenge for these like virtual events has been like, how do you facilitate sort of like the same kind of charisma, the same sort of spirit mm-hmm. that you can get in an in-person event virtually? And I think to your earlier yeah. point, like w- the way that you have to do it is you have to get creative. And I think you have to be a little bit more like, this is a show. You, you almost yeah. have to sort of adopt this mindset. Like th- we are in the entertainment business now. Like people are mm-hmm. sitting down, they've got their laptops pulled up, they're watching something. They want to be entertained, right? More 100%. so than you would even expect in person because you can get a lot of that feeling with the intro music that they might play for the speaker that walks onto the stage, et cetera. And I think that like the saxophone example is so great because that's so unexpected. Who, who expects right? to go to a recruitment event and get sort of like yeah. a crash course on how musicians are adapting to playing their instruments in light of COVID? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I completely agree. And like exactly what you're saying about the entertainment space is so true because we're in a computer, right? Like Netflix is also there. We're essentially competing for attention with all of the different platforms that yeah you could go to, to watch video on. Right. And so I think one thing that I've seen some schools do that I think is really cool and unique is when you have the ability to reach out to presenters beforehand and maybe have them like film a teaser trailer for you so Mm. that you can say like, Hey, here's what this presentation is going to be about. Look at how cool this presenter is. Look at how knowledgeable they are. Like you should come hang out and hear what they have to say. Um, Also, this is from my recruitment days, but I always used to prep my student ambassadors with questions for the presenters. So kind of giving them ideas of things to ask this person so that not only they get more out of the presentation, but also the presenter feels that energy and can kind of build off of it. Mm. I mean, obviously that's, I think that's something that a lot of schools do, right? Like ambassadors ask questions it's not like i'm not pulling behind the like curtain the wizard of oz is back there like oh no i didn't (laughs) know that they were doing that but i I do think that it's a really useful thing just because it it makes everybody feel more active and feeling something is something's really happening so those two things i think can be a great way to kind of drum up a little bit of that excitement you're talking about and really make people feel engaged yeah yeah no, I, I love the trailer idea too, in particular, because 
I don't think that that like that's something that can be really simple. And what you can do is you can, right. especially depending on the kind of event you you are hosting too, and depending on sort of like the speakers, um, and like the quality of the speakers, like they should care about wanting people to come totally. to their session, right? And so yeah. you saying, hey, look, our our team, like we will even come, we'll you know record a little sort of like intro slide, some theme music, some uh, you know outro, like fade to black action going on, yeah. right? Like we'll 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 edit this little thing for you. We'll have music playing during your you know one to two minutes sort of like pitch for your presentation. We'll make you look really good. We just need right. you to sort of like re- record that raw content for the trailer, like. Speakers should care about that, um, especially yeah. if they have some, you know, if, especially if they're like a vendor that is hoping to, you know, draw a, a nice crowd to, to his or her uh, session. Um, totally. And on the question front, like, I think, I think that there is like an art to asking good questions. And I yes. think the oh, ch- yeah. one of the challenges in admissions in particular, right, like, is that the temptation is to just like default to like the standard 20 questions or the standard 10 questions. Like what's it like to be a student at your school? (laughs) Or can you talk to me about the, you know, what are your academic program offerings? And you sort of stick Mm -hmm. at the surface because you think, oh, well, like these are the questions that most people, these are the FAQs, right? And you sort of default to the FAQs. I think, and I love your thoughts on this, like when you have somebody's attention, especially when it's in a live format, like that is your opportunity to ask very specific, niche, interesting, dynamic questions, right? And ask your ambassadors, like prep your ambassadors, like, hey, don't just talk to me about your program offering, like, you know, real talk, what was the scariest Mm -hmm. thing that you encountered in your first week of school? And how did you overcome that, right? And I think that it doesn't take 100%. that much more work to do, but the the value, like the the differentiation between that and the event that they're going to go to next week with your competitor, night and day. Yeah. And I think that logic can also extend even to the prospective students, right? Like this could be an email that you send out as part of your event prep cadence to say like, here's some ideas of good questions that you could ask our presenters. Mm. Um, Actually within Unibuddy, we have a suggestion system question suggestion system for the prospective students that kind of does this for them, right? Because you can get into a presentation and maybe be like, oh gosh, like, I don't know what to ask. But if you could refer back to that email and say like, oh, right. There was this great idea of like, what was the scariest thing about your first day? Like, that's awesome. And allows, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the prospective students to come up with those types of questions in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. That's a, that's a really, really cool feature. So Paige, I'm curious, what's the biggest mistake that schools tend to make when it comes to planning their recruitment events. As you've you know, stepped into Unibody, you, you get access to lots of different schools running lots of different kinds of events. Like, What are some of the challenges that you commonly see? I do think that it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier a little bit, where you just assume that the schedule that you've had for your in-person events will work virtually. I think this is something that I worked in higher education before coming to Unibuddy, so I feel like I can say this with some some gentle confidence here is that universities don't love change and they don't love having to shift things up because that can be very scary and I understand that. But when you do take those risks like the university I was talking about earlier took to say like, we're gonna try and do something different. We're gonna try and do something dynamic and we're not just gonna copy and paste the agenda from last year into this virtual space. I think that's 
a really key thing. And then the other mistake that I see universities make is thinking that they don't need a virtual event. Mm. And I know that's also maybe a little bit controversial because, you know, we're all hoping to be able to go back into person events and things like that. And it's great to see the world opening up a little bit more. But what I do think is that if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that virtual events have their space and are necessary and can be really beneficial, especially for students that can't make it to campus for whatever reason, or students that don't know much about your university and aren't ready to take that step to come to an in-person event. So I would say, don't forget about them either yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a, uh, a colleague, I think this was like a week or two ago, about sort of whether or not you can kind of get away with live events with like pre-recorded mm. content, right? And like the pros and cons of like positioning totally. something as like a live event when you're going to play like a 45-minute pre-recorded session and then like hop on for a Q&A for 10 minutes, right, at the end and it's live, like – I'm curious, like, how do you guys think about this? Like, do you have any sort of data or even just like anecdotal, like insight around how these sorts of events work and perform and whether they're okay or not? It's a really good question. And I think that there's like benefits and drawbacks to both sides of that conversation, right? Because I know when we talk to universities, sometimes they'll say like, we have a faculty member who really is interested in doing a session, but they're like not available during that time, or they're, they're maybe a little bit nervous with the tech side of things, and they just don't feel confident hopping on to whatever platform we're going to make them hop onto, right? And so, um, in that situation, if you pepper those pre-recorded things throughout a an event that does have truly live opportunities for people to engage with, I think that can be a beautiful thing because you're allowing for information that wouldn't have been there in the first place to come through, right? Sure. But a full event like that, I don't know if that's like the way to go just because a person could watch a YouTube video and leave a comment at that point. And that's, that's kind of an equivalency. Right. And so um, when you're already competing, like we said earlier with Netflix, like I don't think you want them to be on a YouTube video essentially. Yeah. Um, Definitely want to give them a little something extra. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a a really interesting uh, uh, insight there. And on that note, just like the balance between sort of like asynchronous content and live content, Mm -hmm. like, I think one of the interesting opportunities here, right, is that previously for like an in-person event, like sure some schools were doing this, but lots of schools weren't like recording their live Um, events, right? Yeah. Live in-person events. Now they have an opportunity to sort of like walk away with like an incredible amount of like content that is hopefully good. And how do, like, how have you seen schools repackage that content to use for other, you know, campaigns or in other sort of like recruitment contexts? Anything you can speak to around sort of like the repurposing of this, this content? Yeah, I think the benefit, honestly, to what you've just said is, is that marketing piece, right? I think about the, um, the events that I ran when I was an events manager in my past life. And there would be these moments where, you know, like students would say just like the perfect thing. You're like, oh my gosh, if I could bottle that up and like put it in our next 
marketing campaign. Like I would do that, but I couldn't because it was at a live event. It was not recorded and it just had to be the magic of that moment. But with a virtual event, I mean, you have, if you've recorded it, you have that content and you have that sound bite that you can pull out and really just say like, okay, this is something we're going to build a whole marketing strategy around because this is the true magic of our institution and it is the people that are here. And like, I think that's the the big plus of having yeah. those recordings in your back pocket almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like, especially like in a spe- in like a world where like, you know, uh, video content that is authentic, that is yeah. not incredibly well polished, actually performs incredibly well on, on social. Right? And it's like, how do you think about sort of like, I'm even thinking about I was having a conversation with a, a VP of marketing at a smaller school uh, on the West mm-hmm. Coast uh, last week, and we were talking about sort of like TikTok, and they were mm-hmm. asking, hey, like, uh, what kind of content, like, we, we want to get started on this. They were actually a graduate school, and they were like, we know oh, that, cool. like, we're a little bit, you know, uh, our, our demo is just getting onto uh, <laughs> TikTok, and we, but we yes, want to be Gen like an early Z is adopter. very upset with us, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, we want to be like an early adopter, so like, how do we do this well? And what was interesting yeah. is I was like, well, you, you really have to have like an in-house like student creator. Like you can work with like a consultant that can guide totally. your content strategy. But in terms of like who's actually creating the content, like they have to understand the platform and they have to be like native yeah. to the brand in some way. Like they've got to be a student at your school, right? Um, yes. <laughs> and anyways, one of the things we we're saying is like, look, like imagine taking, right, for starters, right, like while you get that in place, like what if you could take the recordings from your events and, you know, feature sort of like the student components, find like, I don't know, six or seven quick little like sound bites from students, splice that together into a nice little like video, add a little bit of music to it. And I don't know, call it something like six things that make us you different, you know, make make us different from sort of like the grad program down the street. And it's like, you know, cut to student number one for 10 seconds, student number two for 10 seconds, et cetera. Like, and I think that like what this virtual environment has done is it, it really has, like, if you do this right, right, like it's enabled sort of 10, 12, 13, you know, 20 different uh, content assets to come from sort of like a singular event. And that like squashes the notion that, oh, yes, I know I need to be doing all these things as a higher ed marketer, but like, I just don't have the time to create all this content. It's like, well, record your live event and chop it up. And at least that's something. Exactly. I think that's such a good point too, right? Like, and at the end of the day, you have this moment in time that's like these these magical things that happen at events that you can utilize and can be repurposed like you said for a TikTok like why not that's such a great idea yeah yeah i mean and again like it still it still requires some thought and some te- you know intentionality but yeah. like i do think like if you're i guess the big takeaway here is like if you are not recording <laughs> your live events already please do so you should be <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i'm curious uh page your thoughts on like promotion strategy for events, right? So like mm-hmm. schools are, uh, one of the questions that we get a lot of time is like, okay, like how do I effectively like promote my event? What are sort of the channels, the strategies, specific tactics that are like worth um, utilizing and implementing for let's say sort of an open house or a program information session? What are sort of your like hacks or thoughts on just even like general ideas for how to go about event promotion? Yeah, this is probably going to be like the least helpful answer I could give, but I do think that it's really important to 
do a multi-channel approach when it yeah. comes to promoting your events, right? Like that means email, that means Instagram, that means Twitter, that means on your university's website. Um, and like maybe even on TikTok, I don't know. There's probably some trend that would work for um, promoting an open house. But ultimately, one thing that we know from the data that we have on Gen Z and the prospective students at the moment is that they kind of expect that. Mm. They know that universities are in these various areas and they may not check their email, but they're likely on their Instagram fairly regularly. So being able to get in front of them there is is very important and is something that should be part of your kind of innate marketing strategy with these events as well. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that... Um we've been we've been thinking a lot about is like the difference between channels that you should perceive or really just like understand to be consumption uh channels versus like communication Mm -hmm. channels like and like a tiktok for example Mm -hmm. right tiktok has a platform most people are there to consume right like you are you are flipping through tons and tons and tons of content like you're not you're not like doing lots of messaging on tiktok right whereas whereas an instagram like totally it's very common that prospects or even current students will reach out to uh, social media managers that manage mm-hmm. institutions, uh, Instagram accounts and ask questions like, how do I do this? How do I do yeah. that? Right? Like they, they expect, it's funny. I, I shared this on like another podcast recently, but like I have a 17 year old sister who's uh, just starting to, you know, look at colleges and, sure. um, and so she got an email from an admissions counselor about like some is probably, she was enrolled in somebody's like search campaign, I'm sure. And um, she went and checked out their Instagram and was like flipping through content. And then she uh, sent a message to uh, to the Instagram account basically saying, hey, by the way, I emailed so-and-so, this admissions counselor about this thing and never heard back, just checking in on this. And I was like, and she realized after she had done that, like, oh, that was silly. Like, there's probably not the same, you know, person managing both. But what was so interesting about that was, like, her perception is that, like, no, like, I should be able to reach. It's the yeah. same school. Like, they should be able They're to like figure out They're, like, talking to each other, is. right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was such this, like, like innocent, like, somewhat naive, but also just, like, really insightful, like, whoa, this is now yeah. the expectation. Like, to your point, 100%. multi-channel, like, yes, she received the email. She's not responding to the email. She's following up to the email communication on Instagram. On Instagram. I know. I love it. That's, that is like such a great insight too, because it is the kind of expectation that everything is super interconnected anyway. So why not make it interconnected? And I know that that's like a rather revolutionary statement because silos exist in universities and always have. So it's not necessarily going to be as easy as just saying like, Oh, we'll just put everything together and then it'll be perfect. But like trying to make those intentional choices or setting up those types of communication channels that will allow for someone like your sister to actually get an effective answer when they reach out on Instagram, I think is, is a, a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, you know, I think that especially if you're running like in the context of bringing it back to like the specific context of events, like, if yeah. you know TikTok, maybe you're you find a trend that works for promoting your open house. You do that. That's funny. That's engaging. Like okay, it's it's purely awareness, right? But then on Instagram, if you're running an ad campaign, you should expect like, and you should your staff, your team should be prepared that you might get inquiries or questions about the event directly, sort of like 
in your uh, in your inbox on Instagram, right? Because again, to the student, like they they're not necessarily thinking in silos like you and I are, right? Like they're they're just thinking, oh, hey, I, I, I saw this thing, I have this quick question it should be able to be answered, right? And they don't want to have to wait 72 hours or a week to get a response to a very simple, you know, a, a question that they perceive, to, you know, to be to be simple. Um, totally. <laughs> one of the one of the other big questions that I've been I've been thinking on, and I would love your thoughts, like, when it comes to like content of an event, right? Are there are there any trends in like event titles or names that you've seen work particularly well? Like, is the whole like, university X's open house or, you know, college Y's information session, is that still sort of like the, the best way to go? Is there any value in like being a little bit more dynamic with your event titles and, you know, maybe trying to be a little bit quippier, like any, any insight you can share with respect to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really interesting question because it kind of speaks to the space that we've been living in for the past years and a half or whatever, um, that it's, there is just so much noise on yeah. the internet. Like there's so many titles, so many things that you're looking at. And I think that there's a middle ground that works well, right? Like being, having some quippy or like quirky part of the title. Great. But you also want to make sure that the student knows what school it's for and knows what they can expect at the, at the event. Um, I think that at the end of the day, like those two things have to stay within the title as much as possible. And then maybe thinking about speaking to what you were saying earlier, having your presenters really consider their titles. So you've got a overarching title that's like university open house, but then within the actual agenda, you have some more, thought-provoking titles yeah. that you could use to say like at university's open house we're going to feature this cool titled presentation that will potentially pique your interest um, I think at least from the things that I have seen that's been the best way to kind of weave those those two concepts together effectively yeah no I, I I like that a lot and um I like the idea of being clear up front in sort of the actual event title and making sure that there's, you know, a little bit of balance of fun, quippy, but also just lots of, you know, lots of clarity around like, no, 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 this is what you are signing up for. Also, so that you're just not like right. misleading students and you, yeah. you, know, you you have a cool, like snazzy, like event title that sounds really interesting and dynamic. And then it's really just like a, you know, open house uh, or a virtual information session that you slapped a fun title on. You got to be careful with that. But I do like your point about like, yeah, yeah. as you bring in other speakers and actually to, to your earlier point, like maybe this is also a way to encourage your student ambassadors to think a little bit more critically before they hop onto this yeah. uh, information session. Like if you had a title called like, um, you know, ask our, ask students uh, three questions that you're embarrassed to ask them or like, exactly. you know, what, yes, uh, I love that. Think about like, you have to ask something, you have to ask these students, like something that they're afraid about or something that they've like, you know, something that's been hard about college or you, you, yeah. you know, people that will think about this way longer than I will come up with a better title. But like, <laughs> if you frame it like that, instead of just saying like, Q&A at the end, right? Yeah, like that totally. fundamentally changes. It's it's differentiated. It stands out. When you're looking through mm -hmm. that agenda, you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then exactly. you know, for the student side of things, it does prepare them like, oh, I'm going to come on and I'm going to talk about something that's hard, right? Like that's yeah. cool. That's different. 
I love that. I think maybe I'm going to suggest that to some universities. Do I work it. With. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious, a couple, couple of final questions for you, Paige. Like when you think about um, the creative ways that you've seen schools market their events. So we talked a little bit about like, mm-hmm. of course, you know, got to take a multi-channel approach. You have to understand uh, where students, you know, are, where their attention is and sort of differentiate between like, am I just focused on awareness here? Am I focused on actual trying to, you know, get signups to, to my event, uh, depending on sort of the channel and the strategy, et cetera. But like any other just like creative ways that you've seen schools market events that you'd recommend that our listeners consider? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. I would say one of the best things that I've seen universities do to be creative is actually to go to their students and to ask them how they would respond best to a marketing situation, right? Like what, what channel would you most like to see this event on or how can you help us promote this event, right? I've seen a couple of universities do like Instagram takeovers from their ambassadors to talk about their events before they happen. Say like, hey, I'm Paige and I'm going to be one of the students on this student panel where you ask me the scariest thing that happened in my college experience so far. Like, can you, you know, we're really excited to see you there. Here's the sign up link. Like, leaning on students as much as possible and really utilizing their expertise when it comes to talking to their peers, I think is something that is absolutely invaluable and not enough schools do to be completely honest. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's a really, really good idea. And you know, it, it, uh, the situation that kind of comes to my mind as you talk about that is like, one of the things that I see a lot is admissions counselors or, um, you know, a recruiter sort of being the facilitator of the questions uh, that students are answering and, you know, prospects are asking and existing students are answering. It would be really interesting, and I'm sure this happens, but like to have a student ambassador actually also be the facilitator and like find like your all-star, right? Yeah. Find, the, find the person that's like really good at like drawing people out and, yeah. you know, maybe a, maybe an aspiring, aspiring like journalist or something like that, but like, and then have that person be the facilitator so that they can press yeah. it. Sometimes like your first couple answers to questions are, are canned. They're a little scripted, right? Like you're, you're not sure how much am I supposed to say the thing that everyone expects me to say versus how detailed am I s- supposed to get? And if you could have a student ambassador be the facilitator as well yeah. and say, no, 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 Paige, Hey, like, I know that you just said this and yeah, there's aspects of it that, that are true, but I also know you were talking to me about like this challenge the other day. Like, can you mm-hmm. talk to me about that? Like in, in allowing that, allowing space for that sort of like dynamic conversation to happen. Yeah. That's, that's the point of differentiation. And like, that's, that is totally. often sort of like where the, where the magic happens. I've always been such a huge advocate of having student voices be centered in every space, because at the end of the day, like it's great to hear from an admission counselor. It's great to hear from your dean of students at an event. Like all of those things are valuable, but these are the people when you talk about student ambassadors that your prospective students are going to be spending time with and becoming a part of a community with over the next four years. And so I think it's a real disadvantage when you don't center those student voices and make sure that they're the ones that are doing exactly what you said, like, asking questions and being the center of attention. So I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I think it's a great idea. 
Love it. Love it. So one of the age old questions that we get is, should you go all in on like one or two big open house events? Or should you Mm. try and sort of like break up unbundle sort of that open house and do like, you know, five to 10 program specific or school specific or industry specific sort of like events throughout uh, the the fall, the spring, depending on sort of like when you're focused on launching your event marketing strategy. So do you have any sort of just data or thoughts or again, even just anecdotal insight around like <laughs> how folks should think about, you know, a big event for everybody versus a smaller niche event for just a few somebodies? Yeah, it's such a good question. And in my time in higher ed, I worked at both a very large institution and a smaller private school. And so I think I've kind of seen both approaches. So at the large institution, because I would say primarily of resource and time and space on campus, we did one large open house for the freshman admits and one for the transfer admits. And I think the plus of those types of days is that they feel really exciting, right? You have thousands of students on campus. There's a lot going on. You've got all of your departments participating and it's great, but it's great for the students, right? Like if you couldn't do that every weekend at a large institution, I don't think just because of the hours and that it would take for something like that to be coordinated. At the smaller institution I worked at, we had a variety of open houses. We had a variety of admin days. And I think that was just, it made more sense for the institution that I worked for, right? It was a little more rural. Like it, there were a lot of reasons. Sure, sure. Um, so I think maybe the best way to consider this question is to think about ways that you can make your like daily campus tours or your kind of more small events um, augmented. And I think the way that you can do that is by having a virtual component to Mm. it, right? So maybe having a, like we call it a virtual goodie bag here at Unibuddy that you send out after your campus tour that includes maybe some from your open house or um, a reference link to the next virtual event session that you're going to have really like, again, multi-threading this information through to the students. So even if they aren't able to come to your one big event, they can come virtually in a way um, to still participate and feel like they got a little special something. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. And uh, again, just Folks that start doing that now, you'll be differentiated because, you know, not everyone's doing that right now. Few, few people are doing that right now. And it's a very easy sort of like simple way to, to stand out and really sort of just be remembered uh, as a school. Yeah. I also like the idea of like th- thinking about sort of your, uh, your you know, campus visits and maybe yeah. finding a way to be even a little bit more intentional or structured by with respect to sort of like how those are run. Like I'm thinking, could you even do something that was like, Hey, uh, for the month of October, Thursdays, uh, for campus visits, like come, if you are interested in like STEM programs, like we're going to cater, we're going to specifically like tailor the tour to prospects that are interested in STEM programs on Thursdays in in October, right? Whatever it might be. 
And again, you whoever shows up shows up, right? And you don't necessarily have to go over and above to like make it uh, all STEM related for the prospects that do come and they want to study English. But like even doing simple things like that, <laughs> right? Like that is a way to yeah. stand out and differentiate and also just like get garner a better understanding of like, okay, format wise, right? Like for students totally. that fall into these uh, academic programs of interest, do they respond better to virtual? Do they respond better to in-person? Um, so that would just be an interesting sort of like test for people to run as well. Absolutely. And like, I think that's the other thing, right? Like be willing to test things out and see how it works. If you do what you just mentioned, like an example of having engineering students come in on Thursday and you get totally overwhelmed on Thursday, then maybe do Tuesday and Thursday as your engineering days and just like be willing to be a little light on your feet and try different things. I think that's that's something that we can all learn from this this space at the end of the day. Yeah. Try, try it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Try it. Why not? Um, that might just have to be the, the title of this, <laughs> this episode. But uh, well, Paige, uh, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking time to chat with us, to share uh, some of your insight. Um, for folks who want to get in touch and learn a little bit more about you, learn a little bit more about Unibuddy, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say you can send me an email. My email is just page.steffi at unibuddy.com. Or if you want to learn more about Unibuddy, you can go to the Unibuddy website. We have ambassador profiles up there for each employee um, at Unibuddy. So if you want to send me a message there, you can do that too. <laughs> Wonderful. And we'll uh, include simple links below this podcast. Um, so you can just kind of click over to email page and or check out the Unibuddy website. But um, thank you so much for your time and for sharing a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your learnings with us. Truly my pleasure, Zach. I was so excited to come be on a podcast. So I am thrilled that we got to chat today as well. Well, you are a natural. So uh, if, if you are a podcast host listening to this and you need like just a really fun, good, like easy to like work with guest, contact Paige. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> my dream can continue. I love it. Oh, gosh. All right. Thank you so much. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.